Hey everyone, welcome to episode 82 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's guest comes to us all the way from Australia, Yannick Clausen. Yannick and I uh, had a really fun chat about photo contests, um, hot off the tails of the uh, Epson Pano Awards. Um, we had a um, talk about professional photography organizations, um, his preference for using Capture One Pro, and a bunch more. Um, and on the bonus episode over on Patreon, we talked all about shooting local versus traveling and the pros and cons of each approach. Speaking of Patreon, uh, just a quick special thanks to our supporters and podcast producers. These amazing folks contribute at the $20 a month or higher level at patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stenslin, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, and Charlotte Gibb. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Well, cool. Uh, Yannick Clausen, thank you for so much for uh, joining me from the future. <laughs> no worries, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you are uh, 17 hours ahead of me in Australia, and I am... So it's midnight there, and it's 7 a.m. here, which is pretty funny. Mm. <laughs> you know, just sitting here <laughs> after a big day, and you're just uh, getting up, and I see it's snowing at your place at the moment, which is a bit different. It is. It's it's really coming down, actually. It's Yeah, and it's what, summer there? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> That's so funny, like... Uh, that's the beauty of this uh, format. Like, we're talking in real time, and you're in the summertime at midnight, and I'm in the winter at seven a.m. drinking coffee, and you're drinking bourbon. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, uh, thanks so much for reaching out to me and um, for uh, providing people with um, really great uh, feedback on their images on our uh, Facebook group for the podcast. I really appreciate that. No worries at all. Yeah. So um, one of the things I, I really wanted to dive, just dive right in with you is um, I know that uh, you're the 2016 Australian Landscape Photographer of the Year, and um, you join uh, quite a few um, foot photography competitions. And so I really just kind of wanted to dive in in terms of uh, what is it uh, – about photography competitions that um, gets you going, and and why do you enter them? Um, I love the competition of it, and um, it um, especially here in in Queensland and uh, in the ARPP have the national and state awards each year, and it really just um, pushes you every year just to keep producing images and try to better yourself and. Yeah, just to get judged by your peers and and try and, and um, get your some some new exciting images out there every year. Yeah, is that uh for you? It sounds like it's a huge motivator for you to not only um, get out and shoot more, but also to try to improve upon your skills. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, I. Uh, I don't enter a lot of photo competitions myself. I had uh, recently entered about six photos to the Epson Pano Awards. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I had, you know, I, I had no, I knew I wasn't going to win for sure, but um, I had some hopes that a couple of the images I submitted would get um, scored 
pretty highly. And, uh, man, they did not do very, very well. And I was surprised by that, um, I, especially when I started comparing them to the photos that, um, which is my first mistake comparing my photos to the other photos that won. But, um, I was just surprised. Uh, uh, it's, it's just interesting. I think, well, I think one of my takeaways was like really understanding who the judges are and the types of images that they have on their portfolios is, are probably the same types of images that they're going to rate highly. Um, yeah, it could be. Have I'm, you found I'm... that to be true or? Um, well, I don't know because um, the the judges should um, judge the image in front of them and not. Um, of course, that's going to be a little bit of personal bias in if you're going to uh, really like an image or not. But it still should be um, be, be judging the the image that's presented, um, and that's why there's. Um, I'm not sure how many judges that is for the panel awards, but for the um, the awards in Australia. Um, there's a panel of five judges that um, score the print, and that, that way you get a, a nice sort of um, average score from uh, from the five judges. That way, yeah, I think it's pretty <clears throat> pretty similar um, for this one. Um, but are, are the ones that you enter are they um, typically digital or are they print? Um, the the ones here in Australia for the ARPP awards are, are print awards. Um, I did put five images into the panel awards this year as well, um, and got uh, got four bronzes out of that. So that, that's not too bad. Okay, yeah, I got four bronzes too. So I I don't know. I I felt like <laughs> I guess <laughs> bronze isn't bad. I just uh, I, I felt like at least two of them were like better than that. But yeah, uh, that's just me. I'm biased because they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> we all put in five gold images or whatever, and then they come right. back or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I knew at least uh, three of mine wouldn't score well, and the, it's actually funny. The um, they judged at least in terms of um, the points that they got. They they they've scored the exact way uh, I thought they would in terms of um, best to worst. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. <laughs> mm, cool. <laughs> yeah. So tell me more about uh, AIPP and what is what is AIPP and um, Kind of what is that all about for you? Uh, it's a professional um, photography body here in Australia called the uh, Australian Institute of Professional Photography, and um, it's probably the best thing I ever did for um, for my photography. Uh, joining um, and just um, making a whole bunch of really good friends that um, we sort of help each other out and, and learn from and, and events through the years. Um, different uh, seminars and workshops and yeah it's re been really good um to to join for sure. what are uh what are some of the uh benefits of belonging to a professional uh, photography uh, organization um oh there's heaps but um friendship and backup um if you say you're a, a wedding shooter or or um portraits or whatever you're shooting and um you happen to have a problem with some gear or anything you you have a whole bunch of friends that are local that you can call upon to um to borrow some if your camera breaks or, or whatever and um if you need a second shooter or anything that you have any trouble with you have a, a whole bunch of like-minded people you can um 
called upon works really well. Yeah. Um, I know, I think there's a couple of similar, uh, institutions here in the United States. And, uh, um, I know a friend of mine was telling me, uh, about one of them. I can't remember the exact name of it, but, uh, he was saying that, um, they do a lot of, um, photography competitions and, uh, and the way that they score their images is very, very, um, critical. Like it's, it's much more different than say like the Epson pan awards, uh, where it seems like, I don't know, one of my biggest takeaways from looking at that, uh, contest was, um, it seemed like there was a lot of similarities in terms of processing styles and like, you know, you could tell that that, a certain style of processing was kind of more preferred over others. And then if you look Mm. at other institutions, like the one I'm talking about, which I'm blanking on (laughs) (laughs) um, processing, see like they have a much more push towards uh, natural uh, images, like things that look a little bit less, uh, I don't know, fantastical, um, Mm. which I think is interesting. What, uh, what have you seen in terms of, uh, kind of the look and feel and the style of, I guess, what's rewarded over in Australia versus maybe here in the United States? Um, depends on what category you're in. So, um, because within landscape uh, this year, there's three subcategories. So we had a, an aerial um, category. So all the aerial images are judged in, in, in one group. Then there was single capture. Um, so uh, no... Um, not dropping in skies or adding anything else to to the frame. So um, just pretty much straight out the camera and just do your little bit of editing you can do to it. Um, and then you have your your open, which is uh, just open slatter. You can do whatever you want to the image. Anything um, goes. <laughs> it, yeah. uh, and that way they're, when the judges are, are judging, they, they know that, okay, this image is... Uh, it's, it's captured straight out of camera, and this one is um, has had some more work done to it. Um, but they're all at the end um, for the category win. They they all combine into to one category for landscape, and mm. then you have um, your travel categories and uh, wildlife and nature and and that sort of thing as well, which all have um, their own little um, little rules for. Um, what you can do and what you can't do yeah and have you noticed um any trends in terms of uh the types of images that seem to be doing better than others um yeah there always seems to be be trends with with anything um and they sort of come and go um uh, not sure what what really is trending at the moment um i quite like the um, all the simplistic sort of landscapes and, and a bit of patterns and that sort of thing. Um, and that seems to be yeah. a, bit of the, a bit of that sort of going. Um, the cool thing is that all the all the awards um, here are uh, streamed through uh, YouTube, so you can actually um, watch all the judging process and, um, and oh, see wow. all the different categories. So That would that, be cool yeah. to see. Yeah, I can um, I can definitely send you a link to that, so you can have a look, um, and yeah. put that in the in the notes too, if if people um, do want to have a look as well. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that uh, I guess I was kind of hoping for, and I I don't, you know, at least 
from other competitions, I think it would be really helpful um, to get, you know, feedback. Like, here's why we didn't score it higher. I think, Mm. I feel like that's one thing that's kind of sorely lacking from a lot of the competitions that we see nowadays is like, you get scored, but you don't necessarily know why yours didn't do as well as you thought it should. Yeah. Um, a thing that um, is, is really good as well, um, when uh, we, we usually start the year off um, with the state awards first and then the, the national awards are, are later in the year, and um, in, um, in the local councils, um, we'll have a two or three uh, print critique nights prior to the awards. So you can, you can bring your prints in and there'll be a... A handful of judges um, doing a. They won't give scores, but they will. Each print will go up. You, you can bring a couple in, and um, and then they will critique each image, and and that way you'll you'll sort of can improve that way. So you have a a, a good chance to improve your images even before you then enter them into the awards, and then it's all recorded. Um, the actual judging of them as well. So. You, I mean, it's really exciting to watch, actually. Um, when your print comes up, your heart is, like, sitting right up in your throat. <laughs> and um, you, you see each score tick over, and you sort of, like, if it goes well, you're like, eh. And if it's not so well, it's like, oh. <laughs> um, and then then there can be, um, uh, if, it's, if it's automatically um, challenged, if there's more than 10 points between the highest and the lowest scoring judge, and then the, the, there's a, a, a whole um, talk about the print um, where they all get a, a chance to have a bit of a chat, chat about it and and um, try and um, convince the other judges that, yes, this is a gold, it needs to go up or, or, or whatever. And it's really exciting to um, sit and listen to. And even better yeah. if you can be there in the room and watch it all happen. But uh, if you can't be there, um, watching the live stream is, is the next best thing. And it's it's really exciting to watch actually (laughs) yeah i I feel like that would have been really cool to see uh for this particular one that i was just in because um like there's a it's interesting like there's several of the images that won that i was like yeah that's like david thompson won a few of them i'm like yeah his those are those are great you know and Mm. i've seen i've seen those images he's submitted um before and i was like yeah those are those are fantastic uh photos and then there's some other ones where i was like i don't really see why this one did so well but um i'd like to know why the judges felt like it was so good you know because maybe you know and obviously some there's so much you know sub- subjectivity to all of it too but oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is um, why there's five judges and uh mm. you know you would think that they would all have various opinions on different stuff but oh, yeah. i don't know i feel like uh <laughs> That is one of the challenge. Have you have you had the opportunity of being a judge for any of these things before? Um, I've, I've done a bit of the judging training and and I had a um, I had a go at, at some of the training scenarios and um, I know what sort of scores to get it, but um, I, I find the whole um, part where you're going to verbalize exactly why you 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 love these uh, images or, or whatnot. That's a little bit harder. Um, so I, I may. Have a look at um, judging again, but um, at this stage, I'm uh, not that keen. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's it's very uh, daunting to um, to be a, yeah. People yeah, it was uh, time and effort into all their prints, and 
yeah, it's, it makes it a bit hard. <laughs> yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, spend a few hours in the car with um, Alex Noriega, who won the uh, 2017, I think, International Landscape Photography Awards. Yep. And uh, and uh, he was, and then he, he, I guess for that competition, you automatically get invited to judge the next year's um, uh, competition. And uh, so I, he was telling me that, you know, you get like thousands of images uh, sent to you and like, you kind of need to develop a system for, for a way to like quickly rate them. I think for that one, they rate them like between 60 and a hundred. So like the lowest score you can get is 60 and the highest you can get is a hundred. And uh, it was just really interesting uh, to hear kind of his thought process on, you know, kind of, he went through all the, you know, thousands and thousands of images and like kind of you have a first pass, like gut check, gut feel like, oh, this, this is a 60 or this is a 80. Mm. And then like you kind of go back through the higher scoring ones. Um, so I, I think it's interesting. I'm sure every judge kind of has their own process, especially if you have thousands and thousands of images you have to go through. Yeah. Um, that seems like it'd be really hard to, uh, <laughs> to uh to do it the right way i guess um and be objective mm, and i guess the difference also is that um all these judges for for the panel awards they're not sitting in the same room judging at the same time looking at the same physical print that's um presented in front of them so um it'd be a bit a little bit different to um to, to judging a, a print um i guess yeah, well, and I think that what's interesting about that too is um, like those are two, uh, like you're adding a whole other layer of complexity when you're judging a physical print versus a digital mm. one because you know like paper choices. All... Yeah, like yeah. there's so many more var- there's so many more var- variables to to mm. worry about as a photographer. What like what is kind of your choice in terms of how you go about printing for a competition? Um, I do my own printing, um, and I, I usually do. Um, I print out a few different versions of of each print, and then I I hang them up on the wall behind me, and uh, sort of just let them let them brew for a few days, and go back and look at them, and it's like, oh no, I'd, I really want to change this a little bit and print another one, and um, until I'm I'm happy with with um, with the prints and. And sometimes you're just like, oh, um, I've got this one on a nice rag paper or this one is in, a, in like a semi-gloss, but um, which one do I like the best and trying to make a make a choice on, on paper types because it makes a huge difference um, to what the print looks like. And you yeah. also have to view them under the right lighting conditions to uh, have the same lighting as they will have it at, at, the, at the judging. So um, that's all the technical specs um, supplied in your in the rules. So you know you're going to have a uh, what is it? I think it's a, a 60th of a second, 2.8, 100 ISO. Um, I can't remember what that's exactly the, the the numbers, but it's it's something like that. So you you're going to measure that that is the, the light you got on your print. So you you know that it will look the same because if you haven't got the, the same amount of light on your print that you're viewing. At home, and then you, they will won't look right when he's judged. Um, it would be too dark, and you won't be able to see. Um, or be too bright, or and you lose all the details in in the highlights or whatever. 
um, if you're not haven't got the same lighting. So yeah, that's a whole different element to it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would you? I mean, having your own printer is definitely a luxury. Like, what would you? Um, what would you say to people that can't necessarily uh, print their own work? Um, you know, they have to send it off. Like, what are some things that you've learned um, that kind of, I guess, maximize, um, you know, a, a, a photo's uh, printability like in 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 the computer like what are some things that you do before you print that kind of are a way for you to kind of see okay yeah, i think this thing is ready to print um soft proofing uh, is it's a huge thing um and also um having a a, a really good monitor um really helps um I, i've got an iso and um the, the monitor I had prior to the ISO is just like when I got it and I, I put the same picture up on, on both monitors, I, I just couldn't believe I was able to do any editing before um, and, and get anything correct <laughs> um, <laughs> before of, uh, having a, a, a proper editing monitor. And um, uh, what else? Um, so, yeah, so, you know, lost the question for a second that was um well one of the one of the yeah one of the things that i've noticed is um the monitor that i edit on is it's pretty big and it's it's pretty bright mm. and what i've noticed is that um i'll edit on this thing and then when i put load them up somewhere on the internet and look at them like they're a little bit darker than they were when i was editing so i always have to keep that in mind um mm. when i'm editing is you know it might you know, I also look at the histogram, but like, you know, a lot of times it looks fine on my monitor, but then when I go to send it to print, it's too dark. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, labs will have um, their profiles available to download from their website. So you can soft proof to um, their printer. So you can get a, a, a good ballpark um, image up on your screen to see what it will look like using their profiles. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's I I do that uh, for sure, um, and I that's helped. That's definitely helped with the getting it right for that printer for sure. Mm. Um, what do you do once you like after you print it? Like, what are some of the things that you do to kind of you know scrutinize the image to see what improvements it might need? Um, I always um, run it by. Um, some of my other photography mates um, and see what, what they think is always, and, and, and I'll try and pick uh, people who are, are not going to be, be judges at the, at the awards for, for the local stuff um, and um, print them out and let them sit for a few days and because um, you get really tunnel visioned sometimes and, <laughs> yeah. and can miss uh, something huge and then you come back and and uh, look at the next day. It's like, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I've, I've I've definitely had that experience quite a few times where I'm like super happy with it, and then I look at it the next day, and it's like, oh, that's that looks like a nuclear bomb went off. What the hell was mm. I doing? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how your your color perception changes. Yeah. 
It's Sometimes really fascinating, time. actually. Mm. I'm sure there's some science behind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's also called um, how many um, beverages you might have had while you were doing the editing. Oh, yeah, that never helps. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, have three or four beers, and then you're like, oh, that looks really good. And then you look at it the next day, and you're like, nope, I was, I was drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I'm curious, like, as someone who's entered a lot of competitions and things like that, um, do you find yourself, uh, do you find that the photos that end up winning are photos that you took when you were by yourself or are they photos that you took when you were on trips with your friends? Um, bit of, bit of both really. Um, okay. The, um, the images that, um, uh, I won with in 2016 were, some of them were shot by myself, and some of them were shot with um, with my mum, and um, just traveling around with her for um, for a couple of days. Um, because I um, I live in Australia, but um, my mum and dad um, was in Denmark, uh, and still is. Um, when my, my dad was was ill with cancer, so um, I um, and he wasn't looking so good, so I, I did a um, a quick trip back to Denmark by myself and left my wife and child behind um, and um, just went home to spend some time with mum and dad. And um, that was mm. um, winter in Denmark. So um, so in the mornings I would go out when there was a bit of mist around and just sort of go out and shoot a couple of shots and then go back and, and spend, spend time with, with family. And um, unfortunately dad passed away while I was there. Um, mm. And um, so the the days after, um, mum and I would just go out and spend some time because um, we used to do that as a family. Dad was always a um, a bit of a keen photographer himself. So I think that's where I, I was initially bitten by the photography rock from. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm but, curious uh, when you were. Um there because of your dad being ill to cancer um did you find that that was um maybe it's kind of a paradox like was was being out and taking pictures like therapeutic or was the event that um the why you were there did that um cause you to go out and take pictures or was it a little bit of both <laughs> does that make sense um, a bit of both i guess um uh, i was always very positive that um was going to beat it so I, I i didn't look at it as it was the the last visit sort of thing um so um i i i wanted to get out in the mornings and just sort of get away from it a little bit um and go out and, and take some nice pictures um so that, I guess it was a bit therapeutic to just get get out a little bit in the mornings and then back and, and spend family time after that. Uh, did you find that um, your perception of the landscape and the kinds of things that you were uh, drawn to photograph were uh, different at all because of kind of what was going on at that time? Um, I guess so but um 
winter in Denmark is also quite dark and moody. So I, I guess right. the images <laughs> um, that I I entered were a little bit dark and moody, being the Danish winter landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I guess that it, it does it, it put a bit of a of, of mood to the images. I'm sure. Well, and I'm sure that. Uh... Well, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that the way that you also process them might have been a little bit different too, just based on kind of the way that you were feeling at the time. And mm. I don't know, I, that's kind of what I've noticed is like, depending on what mood I'm in, like the images can take on all kinds of different life and different emotions. And it's mm. kind of interesting how they kind of sometimes mirror what you're feeling at the time. Yeah. Um one of the images um, that I entered into the 2017, uh, the, the year after, it wasn't actually until I was going through the catalog that I realized that um, that was um, the very last image I captured on the morning um, um, of the day that um, my dad passed away. Yeah. So um, that sort of suddenly gave it a um, bit of an extra special meaning for me that image um and it also happened to get a gold award so um it made it a, a bit even more special i guess yeah no doubt <laughs> but that yeah. was really awesome um yeah uh i haven't personally had anything like that happen yet um and i've but i've always wondered like for other people if it's has an impact at all on kind of the way you photograph or the types of things you look for or, um, or, or if it's just, uh, just doesn't change anything. I don't know. It seems like it would though. Oh yeah, it does. It, it definitely does. Um, cause it's, it's your, your, your dad and it, it, you do miss him of course. So it does change you and it impacts you with the, um, with the with the images, I guess um, the way yeah. you you process them because they do have a, a special meaning, and always will. Um, that that series. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, you had mentioned uh, to me was um, that you were kind of in a creative rut uh, right now. Uh, what what do you kind of attribute uh, attribute that to and um, kind of what have you had have you experienced that in the past as well or is this something uh, new for you or no no that's fairly new I guess but um uh, my style I like photographing um simplicity and um I love getting out when it's misty and um and and just doing the intimate landscape um pulling out little details and whatnot in the landscape and living in uh, subtropical Queensland where it's uh, sunny and blue skies most of the time it's um, it's hard to find that um, that sort of misty days it doesn't happen a lot <laughs> so, uh, uh, so just at the moment I'm just trying to I'm not going to find something else to shoot um, what I did um, in May I had a, a lovely trip to Fraser Island and and um, if people don't know what, what that is, that's a, a, a big sand island um, on the east coast of Australia. So the world's largest sand island, I believe. Um, 
and uh, art photographing in the sand dunes there was um, was real nice. Was that you, you can get that sort of intimate landscape in, in mm. there that I, I like shooting. Well, cool. So um, I wanted to talk talk a little bit about uh, your trip to Fraser Island because um, I think I remember you had posted something. I think it was on your website, like um, on your trip you had found just a ton of uh, plastic waste mm. on the island. And you actually took a lot of photographs um, of that kind of discovery, which, you know, obviously that's nothing any of us want to see is a bunch of trash and plastic wherever we're trying to photograph. So tell me tell me what that experience was like for you. Um, yeah, um, it's just it's quite sad to see um, beautiful, pristine places um, just covered in in plastic waste, and probably the the saddest thing I found out after was that um, there's a um, uh, Queensland Fall Drive Association that do um, a, a yearly Fraser Island cleanup, and um, we went in, end of May, and they actually had just been over on the island um, at the oh. start of May, so and removed something like eight tons of plastic off the island. Uh, Whoa. not just plastic but a, just general rubbish uh, off the beaches and that um, and yet uh, only two or three weeks later there's a, a whole bunch there again um, so I'm not sure a lot of it looks like it had come through from the ocean so it's um, come down through the um, this um, deposited from from the ocean and and some of it looked like it had just just been dropped there by by tourists or um, or people visiting the island, which is quite sad when you get um get people not respecting the the places they visit and just leave their rubbish behind. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, what uh, kind of what is the general public? Uh, think about um that that kind of situation down in down in your part of the world like are people motivated to make change it or are they actively trying to do things to prevent it or to clean it up or is there kind of a um a sense that it's no big deal or or is it kind of a mixture what have you seen in 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 regards to that um well i think the the General Australian population is is, is very good at at, at um, picking up the, the rubbish and, and not not leaving it. So I'm um, I'm not sure if it's um, if it's tourists or um, or what it is that's been been dropping it all. Um, I, I would like to learn that myself actually too. <laughs> uh, where it's all coming <laughs> from, uh, if it's um, if it's people visiting or if it's where, where it's coming from. Right. Yeah, that's what um, it's interesting here, at least here in Colorado. I feel like a lot of the um, I feel like there's kind of two camps of people that are doing all the the littering. It's, you know, people that don't live here, like they're coming up from, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, whatever. Like they're they don't live here, so they don't really care. Um, So and I don't think they've been instilled with that sense of responsibility or ethic. Mm. Uh, and then you have like the people that do live here that um, they just don't see a problem with it for whatever reason, which is fascinating. Um, also. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, 
what uh what do you think we can do as photographers to make an impact on this problem yeah not sure um just promote it uh, to you know channels like your social medias and, and just get the word out there uh, with the with the leave no trace um i know i've i personally have put it on on my website um about mm-hmm. the, the leave no trace principles and um i'm just in the process of um getting set up to run some some workshops and one-on-ones and stuff like that so definitely something i would be um bringing up in in those situations as well so to instill it on on anyone i can that um you don't don't leave anything behind yeah absolutely do you guys uh do you guys also have the problem uh down there of popular landscape destinations um getting you know more and more traffic and seeing some of the consequences of that yeah absolutely um that happens everywhere um i go um, just talk about Fraser island um I've, I've been coming over there for many many years and that's a, um, a really nice spot um called eli creek where the um the the rainwater filters to all the sand dunes for for a couple of years before it flows into this creek and the, the water is just absolutely crystal clear so in photographs, it, it you, um, you, sometimes you can't even see the water. Um, it's that that clean. Um, and first time I came to that spot, we used to actually camp right on the on the creek, and um, you'd be able to just walk down into the creek, and um, it was really really nice. That, um, but obviously, uh, people weren't looking after it and weren't weren't doing the right thing, so they have now put in boardwalks and fences and so you oh. can't you can only view the creek from from a distance in in that area you can't you can't get down and have that experience because there was obviously just too many people coming through and and people not respecting it so they had to um to limit people um not to get into the the creek to to damage it so that's that's definitely a, a, a one one place i can can think of that where they um they had to um to block access off so people didn't destroy it yeah we just had um uh, that happen here in colorado this fall we had uh, well i guess it was over the summer uh the forest service put up a huge rope rope uh and fence around um maroon lake which i'm sure you've seen pictures of the maroon bells it's like one of the most photographed places in america but uh, mm. and it's always been popular but it's like year after year just getting more and more more and more people go there and uh yeah they finally just roped it off because people were walking down into the into the lake and like it's just causing all this uh, damage to the to the shoreline and like plants mm. don't even grow there anymore like it's it's kind of sad to see how it's changed even in, in the last 10 years since I've been going there. It's been, uh, it's changed dramatically. Um, and I think, you know, there's lots of, I feel like potential things we could blame it on, but um, I feel like the time of, oh, is this a problem? I feel like that 
it's we're past that point. It's we need to change our behaviors, um, convince other people to change their behaviors. There's a mm. lot. I think it's uh, there's a lot we can do as photographers. Um, and I feel, I personally feel a kind of responsible in some ways yeah. as a photographer. Probably wouldn't uh, help either. You see um, all these uh, pictures on say Instagram where people have a nice little campfire going right on the edge of the lake so oh god yeah <laughs> yeah you follow really... do you follow that account you did not sleep there uh no i don't i should, I should look that oh, one up. oh it's brilliant um yeah i think it's called you did not sleep there and uh <laughs> they just take pictures oh well they aggregate um pictures of people like you know, fake, fake, faking these, um, locations that they're sleeping in, like, mm. you know, campfires by the lake or, uh, sleeping bags or tents, like on the edges of cliffs or mountains. Like obviously yeah, yeah. they didn't actually <laughs> sleep there, but they set it up to make it look like they did mm. so that it looks cool for Instagram. Um, and it's really funny to see the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Be the same as that. Uh, what was it Insta repeat? Yeah, it's very similar to Insta repeat, um, but uh, they only post one image at a time, mm. um, and it's it's pretty funny. Like there was one they showed a few days ago that was like, uh, I'm pretty sure it was like in the Dolomites or something. Yeah, like looking out the you know the classic looking out the tent door shot, <laughs> yeah. you know. But it was in the Dolomites, and it was like <laughs> there was like a like a you know a fashion fedora and like a Aztec blanket, like stuff that people are obviously not bringing to the Dolomites to camp. Not not to mention <laughs> like you, I don't. I'm pretty sure most you can't just camp there. Like it's private property in a lot of those places. So mm. it's just funny. Like it was all photoshopped. So it was like the person who did it just did it for like, you know, a some fashion magazines or, you know, it's like to get people excited about the lifestyle. But, uh, <laughs> man, it's, uh, I feel like that whole movement is just causing all kinds of havoc on the landscape. Mm. For sure. Um, and you also hear about the, the, Places that um, has a lot of mosses and oh, yeah. whatnot, and then um, they just get trampled to death by all the people who walk where they shouldn't. I must admit, yeah. I, I do see um, um, like I've, I've been to waterfall places, um, say around Tasmania and whatnot, and you see shots from from those locations, and you know for hundred percent sure that. They have jumped the fence to get to that angle of the sh where they shot it, so they have left a left a track to to get get to um, a location for a shot. So, um, not not really doing the right thing, I guess for, for that. Yeah, well, and that's the other. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's some of it. I guess it's a it's kind of a burden. It's a responsibility, but like you know. Um, I've been to a lot of the locations here in Colorado that people, you know, post and a lot of times you'll see people posting these images or videos or drone footage of like, okay, you, 
you were trespassing <laughs> uh, when you shot that, or you're you're in you're in wilderness area. You shouldn't have a drone. So I, I don't know. I feel it's it's sad, but I feel compelled to like call people out when I see that stuff. <laughs> I feel I feel like a jerk when I do it, but it's also like if I don't say something, like people are just gonna go try to emulate it and copy it. Um, and I feel like people should know like what that person did is not actually illegal, you know. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, it's sad. Like there's this, uh, there's this, uh, spot here in Southwest Colorado that, um, has these wavy Aspen trees, which I'm sure you've seen pictures of before. Like they're all curvy, like everyone, not everyone, but like a lot of people post them around this time of year. Cause they were just there a month ago. Uh, okay. anyways, like, um, five, five, ten years ago, like hardly anyone knew, where those were at and it was pretty special spot. And now if you go there, it's just like all the grass and flowers and stuff around the trees are just trampled. And um, it's just not the same anymore because so many people go there. Mm. And then to make it worse, you have people that take uh, photo groups there, you know, workshops. They actually just take large groups of people there, um, which then further, makes it to where more and more people are at that spot and trampling the ground. And it's just, it's sad to see um, people's motivations for fame and glory or whatever, uh, superseding their desire to keep the landscapes um, as clean as possible. Yeah. I guess um, that's why I kind of like doing the, the sort of stuff that I do because I I can sh- pretty much shoot my stuff anywhere because I, I just find the um, like patterns and simplicity and, and I don't have any I don't think I've got any iconic sort of images on right. No one can like replicate it because it's <laughs> mm. it's not like a destination. It's a that you're highlighting. It's the actual um, details of a smaller intimate scene. Mm. So I guess yeah. that that's a little bonus, <laughs> but uh, absolutely <laughs> makes makes it hard to um, um to sell it though. I guess. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. I wanted to um, talk to you a little bit about um, uh, processing technology. So I know that um, that I think I recently saw you posted that um, you. Uh, you use Capture One Pro instead of, you know, the Adobe suite. So I'm curious mm-hmm. uh, why you have um, made that particular decision and what advantages do you see of using that suite of tools over kind of the more traditional Adobe suite? Um, well, a bit of a funny story. Um, when I um, went down for the award dinner for uh, when I won um, the, the landscape photographer of the year in 2016 there was a, a guy came up to me and said hey um, you're you're Danish um, I got a, a Danish product you should try and um, uh, he said um, I should um, have a bit of a play with a phase one so I said I would love to do that um, <laughs> so, so they um they lent me a face one to um to take down to Tasmania and and photograph with for for the week traveling around and um oh my god what a camera and um 
then I got introduced to um, to Capture One and ended up buying the software myself because I I just just loved it how um, how much faster and just the way you work with color and and it it also I, I feel it has a a cleaner better image um, as a starting point as well um, compared to when I used to use Lightroom. So you mean of, of like the raw still... processor? Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just, um, fell in love with it and have, um, of course I still use Photoshop, so I still got the Adobe suite, but, um, I don't use Lightroom anymore. I just, just, um, use Capture One. And, um, if I do need to go in and, and do some more pixel related sort of work, um, I'll open up Photoshop and do that. But majority of my work is, is done through, um, to capture one these days. Yeah. Is... So, uh, what what are some of the main differences you've found in terms of like the workflow and kind of the user interface? Um, they're, they're quite similar, but um, major thing is the speed. I, like I can just scroll through my images for calling a lot quicker, um, especially when I used to shoot weddings. Um, it, it, speed is really good to um to get get through and um the fact that you can also um output all your files um to a, a specific size and um and do your sharpening to to that size for, for each recipe you create so if you want to do one for facebook and one for instagram and one for print and you can set up the sharpening for each one so um, and soft proof it on your screen um and then you just select which ones you want and walk away and you you have all your your files processed in one hit rather than having to do one for facebook and then wait for that to finish and then do one for your print and and whatnot and it really is um it's a nice time saver and and also the the sharpening side of it is brilliant i find yeah, that's cool. What um, how do you what are some of the things that you've noticed in terms of uh, color management and color profiles and things like that that uh, that have made um, you want to stick with Capture One versus using Lightroom? Um, I, I shoot a bit of um, infrared. I've got a um, an old body that I um, converted to um, to infrared, and um, previously I used to have to uh, create a custom camera profile um to um to get the the colors correct for the infrared where in um in capture you have a much larger uh, range um you can adjust in your in color balance so you, you don't have to to do that step at all in um in capture i can open up my infrared images straight into capture and start working them and and that that's a, a nice little bonus, and um, yeah, just um, just the, the the way you can select and work your colors is is quite different. Um, yeah, just um, have you have you had a play with it yourself? I I have not. Well, I think maybe I tried it a long time ago, but I it, if I did, I don't really remember it a whole lot. Um, mm -mm. I I've been using Lightroom since since I started, like twenty. 2010 2011 so um i'm you know it's i don't know like i my workflow is pretty uh 
pretty good, but um, I'm always looking at ways to make my workflow better or to find different ways to process my images that are um, makes them look better, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely want to give it a shot for sure. Yeah, well, um, the, you just download the 30 day trial and have a play with it and make up your own mind. And um, if there's any any questions you have um, on the on the Capture One uh, website, there's a whole bunch of video tutorials that um, will step you through any any questions you have. And there's a reg regular um, online um, seminars so you can can join in and ask questions. And yeah, it's um, it's really good. Definitely, Does, I would uh... highly recommend you having a having a play with it and I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. Uh, so, um, when you export from capture one into Photoshop, like, does it automatically, uh, once you save it in Photoshop, does it import it back into capture one? Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. So similar mechanism then. Yeah. yeah it works the same way as Lightroom where you, and then it appears back in your, in your catalog. That okay. Way. Cool. Yeah. I'd definitely like to give it a, give it a go. Yeah, um, do it. Do and it. then I know, <laughs> I know you had mentioned that uh, you have like a capture one promo code. We can put that in the liner notes as well if people want to help you out in the process of trying it out. That would be cool too. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Cool. Yeah, only um, well, in the last couple of days got um got that. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. That's very, very cool. Awesome. Um, well, cool. So I have. Two more questions for you. The first one is, uh, you know, what advice would you have for other landscape photographers? All right. Um, <laughs> uh, every time I've been listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, what would I put in for this? <laughs> um, well, um, pretty much the just the the whole get out and and shoot with um, with friends where. Um, that are also photographers is, is I find that as a, a big bonus because then you you got all the time in the world you have, you haven't um, got anyone waiting around that um, that don't don't want to be taking photos um, so you don't have that that pressure and you can just concentrate on being creative and feed off each other so um, if you go out for a day trip or go away for a few days where photography is Number one, it, it really just helps you get, get in the right frame of mind and just concentrate on, on photos. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I've been trying to do that more and more. Um, but I don't know, have you, I don't know, like, do you find when you do like multi-day trips that are just um, focused on photography, like, do you find that, you know, after three or four days, you're just like, there's like, it just becomes harder and harder to see, to see things creatively. Uh, that's been my experience. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, I love it. Um, um, I guess the, the trips that we normally do, we, um, we tend to only stay um, in one location for a day or two and then move on to a different area. And that, that way you you shot enough in an area to go, okay, now I've shot everything I really wanted to see in this. And then you move on to a, to another. 
and you do sort of a we usually do like a, a round sort of trip so start off in one area and then move around and, and come back home yeah so that way you don't get stagnant in the in a location yeah that definitely helps moving around but it's um i don't know like i did not all together but i did um 13 days this last fall i was out shooting and like <laughs> by like day 11 12 it was like i just i i can't see anything else that's interesting anymore <laughs> like i just my brain was like i've already done everything i can think of so i just need to put the camera down and enjoy being out in nature <laughs> yeah i suppose 12 days that's uh we usually go away for seven or eight sort of thing so yeah maybe yeah, yeah. that was definitely the longest i've been out for a trip like that before so it was a new experience for me mm. yeah well cool nice. man so uh so who do you think would be uh cool to have on the podcast um i've, I've got a couple of, of different um australians that you, you could um have a chat to um i've got a um, one of my good mates uh michael smith he's a, a landscape shooter and a uh, wildlife shooter he does a um bit of work with whales so it's always nice to see he's he goes over to tonga and and whatnot and um goes out cool. on boats and photograph them um which is very cool um so yeah michael smith would be one um i don't know if you know um david evans uh he's from south australia i think um he's also i a, feel like i don't know any australians <laughs> yeah um and um yeah he's got some 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 great work and um he will have a a, a funny story to tell i'm sure as well where he put up uh, uh two different headshots uh, saying which one is the better one and then um the whole community of uh photographers um photoshopped his head onto different <laughs> different things <laughs> different uh, <laughs> like um uh, I did one way um, <laughs> uh, in a space shoot in um, uh, uh, the Martian. So his face is sticking out of the helmet and all sorts of stuff. And that, yeah, it went uh, viral. So, so, so he'll have a good story about that if you get onto him. What, what, um, was this like on Facebook or what? Yeah, yeah. Just went, and then um, different news <laughs> made, um, um, platforms picked up on it. So it was quite funny. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um and then um tony hewitt he's a um uh, a very well-known um photographer here in australia and he's a, a great speaker and um he does a lot of um aerials um and uh, he just did a um a whole fly around the coastline of australia in a cessna with, with him and another photographer and photographed the whole coastline Oh, wow. Australia. I bet. For, uh, I think it was like a month straight. He was just flying, taking Damn. pictures out, out of the plane um, and, and created a, a whole series called Good by Sea, um, which is really awesome. So he and he will have a lot of, if you can get onto him, that'd be, be awesome. He's a great guy as well. So Yeah, yeah that some, sounds awesome. I really like to have a chat too. I like some. I lo I love that kind of stuff where it's not drones. It's like actually shot from a plane. Like they, mm. 
I don't know. Like I've, I, you know, a lot of Han, uh, Han Strand stuff is like that. And, um, um, there's another guy I'm blanking on his name, but I can, uh, he, I think lately he's been kind of primarily doing, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Oh yeah. Scott McCook. Um, that's, uh, kind, yeah, of yeah. Like, that's kind of like all he does recently is kind of that aerial, mm. not, all he does, but a lot of the stuff he's been doing is that aerial mm. kind of coastline, like where land meets sea. And it's fascinating. Some of the stuff he's able to capture, like it's his stuff. Mm. I feel yeah, like, his work. yeah, I really like his stuff. So, um, yeah, you should um, get onto him as well. Yeah. He's an Australian too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's Western Australia. See, I do know an Australian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. Well, Man, uh, Yannick, it's been really fun uh, chatting with you on the podcast, and um, hopefully you're having a little bit better weather than we are. <laughs> yeah, it's quite quite warm here. And you, and, <laughs> and it's only like, what, one in the morning there now? <laughs> uh, what is it? Yeah, it's quarter past one. There you go. So, Well, I'll let you go and get some sleep, but uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast. No worries, mate. Thank you. Well, thanks to Yannick for uh, taking the time to visit with us on the podcast all the way from Australia. Check out the liner notes with links to Yannick's work um, and all the topics we talked about over on my blog at www.mattpainphotography.com. And uh, thanks to everyone who has written a review about the podcast on iTunes. Um, It is probably one of the best ways for you to get the word out about the podcast. So thanks for leaving those reviews. Um, and, uh, this week I want to ask you all for a favor. If you would please just share anything you like about the podcast on whatever your favorite social media channel is, whether that be an Instagram story or a Facebook post or a tweet, uh, and just tell people why you listen to the podcast. Uh, be sure to tag me or the podcast. That'd be Matt Payne or Matt Payne Photography or F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. Um, We have a great lineup of guests coming up and uh, some really amazing topics. So uh, let's spread the word. Uh, If you want to drop me a line about the podcast, uh, reach out to me on my website or on social media. Thanks so much for listening and uh, loving the support we got on Patreon. Keep it up. Have a great week.